Welcome to Numbers Out Wide with Dr. Dupe, the podcast about interesting numbers in the world of rugby. We are part of the Bottomless Rugby Network, a series of podcasts that come out on a weekly basis. Thank you for joining me this week and please consider following Bottomless Rugby on our social media pages and podcast streaming services to stay up to date with the latest content. So we are working our way through the recently published paper, the Rugby World Cup 2019 Injury Surveillance Study by Fuller and his colleagues. Last week in part two of this featured study, we saw that head injuries like concussions are equally common between forwards and backline players, and that backline players are particularly prone to bone fractures, while forwards are prone to ligament injuries, specifically of the knee. This is part three let's check the numbers on the days lost due to these specific injuries and the match activities where these injuries occurred in rugby world cup 2019. so today we're going to look at the final bit of data that is reported in the study and we're going to wrap it up neatly with a brief summary and conclusion of what this means and what um, you know rugby teams and organizations can are likely going to take out of this uh, so today we're going to look at the most common injuries um, and also the injuries causing the most days of absence and then take a look at the match activities where these injuries occurred so let's start with the most common injuries and we all know that concussion is a big issue in rugby and there's been a lot of effort being put into monitoring these, you know, law variations to try and reduce concussions. Um, you know, we've seen them being very harsh on high tackles over the last couple of years, bringing that down. Um, and things have been effective, but we still see that concussion is the most common injury that occurred at Rugby World Cup. In total, there were 22 concussions, and this accounted for 15.4% of all injuries that occurred. Um after that, we have a hamstring strain. Uh, there were 14 of these occurred, which accounted for 9.8% of all the injuries sustained. And then we get into some ligament stuff, uh, knee ligament injuries. There were eight of them, equating uh, to 5.6% ankle ligaments. And thigh hematomas were both, uh, seven of them were recorded each, equating to 4.9% of all injuries. And then we have knee cartilage injuries, five of them were recorded, and that being 3.5% of all injuries sustained, right? So what this tells me already is that, you know, it's only concussion that's over 10% of the injuries. So it's not bad. So it means that there's a variety of injuries that occur, um, you know, so it means that the law variations that have been put into place over time kind of spread that burden out. Um, for the rugby players so it would be really bad if you have an injury you know that's like 25 percent or more you know of all your injuries that would be very bad because injuries do happen so the lower you get the number for a specific injury it you likely now know that okay it's it's not an issue with the game itself it's just that this occurs so it's a bit more random um, and it means that the law variations that have been put into place are kind of doing their job because we don't see one particular injury occur as much. Um, yeah, so it's only concussion that's over 10%. Um, rugby being a collision sport, uh, it is totally understandable why this would still be 
the most common injury that takes place. Um, if we're going to look at you know the injuries causing the most days absence, or way well, you can think about it, if you get this injury, you're going to be out for long. Um, and I think this is the one that is really important to medical staff of rugby organizations and teams and so forth, because this is the one where you're likely going to get your return on investment. If you know how to manage these specific injuries, you can, you know, better maintain your players and you can have them active for longer periods of time where, you know, you're actually getting what you paid for with the player playing instead of you having to pay them while they're recovering. So right at the top, it's, um, all right, so in this case, um, there were three of them that account for more than 10% of the total time lost, and one in particular accounts for over 20% of the time lost, uh, and that is a knee ligament injuries, right? So the day's absence in total for all players that sustain these, and as we know, there were only eight knee ligament injuries that occurred. But it accounted for 22.6% of the total days lost due to this injury. That is crazy, right? In total, that is 935 days absence due to eight injuries. That is just ridiculous. And second to that is knee cartilage injuries, uh, which account for 12%, only five injuries sustained, and the day's absence is 495. That is, that is that is very very high so this is a real issue and this i think is the one that um you know people are going to pay attention to like all right so how can what can we do to minimize the the injuries um and particularly this is one that forwards are quite um vulnerable to as we've seen in the previous podcasts and the data that um, forwards tend to get these quite a bit and you know you can also think that being bigger guys when you sustain a joint injury, be it ligament or cartilage, particularly in the knee, having to carry, you know, big weight around, yeah, you're going to take a long time to recover from that to be fully functional again. Um, and that is a big concern that can be, you know, they're going to focus a lot on this. Right, so third highest for days absence, we have hamstring strains. Uh, as we know, there were 14 of those that occurred, and they account for 11.3% of the day's absence, or 467 days during Rugby World Cup. Um, and then we have concussion. So concussion sitting at fourth. We, you know, we know there were 22 of those. They account for 8.8% of the time. So that is, you know, like, that's not bad. 22 of them, only 8%. But if you look at the knee ligament one, there's eight of them, but account for 22% of the time lost um so concussion actually is not so bad you know if you look at it in terms of days absence that is, that is not so bad we see guys would get one they'd be out for a week or two come back uh, then we have shoulder dislocations um there were only two of them that occurred but they counted for 7.7 percent of uh, time lost or 316 days all right so Thank goodness there weren't more shoulder dislocations that occurred because this is something that takes a lot of time to heal. Uh, shoulder being a very weak joint, um, yeah. Uh, once you also once your shoulder goes, it's always going to be vulnerable for re-dislocation or injury as well. And then last but not least in this list, we have calf, calf muscle strains. Um, there were four of them recorded and counted for 4.7 percent 
of time lost or 194 days. Uh, that's the last one. Uh, so this is this is quite injury um, interesting. Um, as we can see, joint things take a lot of time to recover. That shoulder dislocation one is also bad. So you can that would kind of be probably worse if there were eight of those. It would probably be yeah right up there with knee ligaments in severity. Um, so we see the joint stuff is very bad, you know, in terms of time to recover and the number of injuries that occurred. Concussions, not so bad in terms of time lost to it. Hamstring strains, yeah, it's okay, you know, it's not too bad. Uh, let's take a look at the match activities. So the injury sustained as a function of playing position and match activity. Um, so this is going to be split between forwards and backs. Um but what is, well, let me just say, so between the forwards and backs, most of these are very similar. Um, so tackling um, in both forwards and backs account for between 27.9 and 29.3 for forwards and backs respectively. Um, doing the tackling thing, being tackled, you know, is very similar between forwards and backs. We have 19.7% of the proportion of injuries for forwards are being tackled and it's 18.7 for backs um, and yeah we start to get to a couple of differences between the forwards and backs so running uh, the backs um, the proportion of injury sustained due to running is 21.3 percent while for forwards it's 11.5 percent uh, this I don't think is any real surprise we know that um, Back on players, the majority of the activity that they do is, is rugby. Um, they sprint a lot more than than the forwards. Um, you know, even just starting off a backline move, they go into a full sprint immediately. And this is kind of where the hamstring strains come in. And that is very prevalent in the backline players. For forwards, that's only 11.5%. So not a big concern necessarily and uh, then we have collisions so backline players the proportion of injury sustained in collisions is 18.7 percent for forwards that's 14.5 percent i think that we can probably put that difference to you know forward running into a back and the backline player maybe a little bit more susceptible to sustaining an injury in that regard and collisions would likely also uh, result in bone fractures which backline players are fairly prone to compared to the forwards uh, then we have rucks rucks account for four percent of the injuries in backline players 6.6 percent .6 in the forwards uh, scrums and malls obviously uh, backline players not really involved in this so no injuries there but we see for forwards um, 8.2 percent of the injuries they sustained occurred in, at scrum time and 4.9 percent of those in the mall i must say i'm very happy to see that uh, that that number for scrums is below 10%. Uh, we know that uh, when scrum injuries do occur, they can be pretty severe. So the lower that number, the better, because the scrum yeah, can lead to very severe neck and uh, spine injuries and so forth. And forwards being the only ones exposed to that, yeah, better to keep that number as low as possible. Uh, then we see kicking um, backline players, 2.7% of their injuries were sustained in kicking. Probably once again, like someone pulling a muscle or something uh, when kicking. And then in other there, we don't really know, but it's yeah 5% for backs, 6.6% for the forwards. So nothing really in it. So we can see that, you know, um, the match activities that take place, um, you have a similar chance of getting injured, whether you're forward or back in most cases. 
apart from running backline players, uh, you're probably going to pull a muscle a little bit more often than a forward would. And similarly in the collision, the backline player would, um, yeah, be a bit disadvantaged against a big guy. And I think this is what really accounts for that overall uh, injury incidence that we saw backline players being a little bit more susceptible to injury in general. Uh, simply being running, um, I think that explains it, and then losing the collision battle with a forward. So let's wrap this up into a little summary. And what is the important things to take out of this? Um, so we see in total for this study, they found that the head, um, the thighs and the knees um, were sites that accounted for almost 50% of all injuries sustained. And then ligament sprains, muscle strains and concussions described almost 60% of the injury types that occurred in Rugby World Cup 2019. So despite concussions, you know, being a focal point of injury prevention, uh, we now see that knee ligament, knee cartilage and hamstring injuries are responsible for about 50% of all player days absence. So these injuries, um, you know, should really be looked at because um, they're likely to provide you a good return on investment for injury prevention like this is your bang for buck if you can manage that better uh, we're going to get players being able to play for longer um, at the top level um, so also yeah the tackle uh, was sort of you know being tackled and tackling someone's responsible for about almost 50 percent of all these injuries in rugby world cup 2019 uh, so this was apparently an upward trend from the previous World Cups. In 2007 World Cup, this was 29%. In 2011, this was 40%. And at 2015, this was at 45.9%. This is a little interesting one in my view. I think, you know, one would normally have thought that, okay, being that this is essentially a collision, we've seen, you know, player sizes going up. You know, that's sort of the general trend that people have thought about. Uh, that maybe that is just due to, um, you know, players being bigger, stronger, faster, so injuries, yeah, can happen. But at the same time, the study showed when they compared the morphometric data of the players to the previous World Cups, that there hasn't been a change in body mass of the players in specific positions. So you can't really put it down to that. And I think this is... One thing you could maybe put it down to is, you know, tactics that have been developed. We know that defensive structures are probably the best they've ever been. So guys make their tackles more frequently. And uh, we now see deliberate tactics where you would seek out a contact in a specific region to sort of generate space in, in another part of the field. So I think this could maybe be put down to some tactical choices that have been made from um, coaching staff, so forth. Um, you know, where the game used to be back in the day where it was literally just try and run into space all the time. Now it's more a case of because defensive structures are so well organized that you have to break them down. And the way you do that is to seek out contact in specific areas to draw in players to create space somewhere else. So that might be behind it. I don't know. I might be clutching at straws there. But I think that could be a big part of it. And I'd like to see if there's another study that delves into this statistic a little bit more. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go look and see what I can find. And we can have a chat about that in one of the upcoming episodes.
so that's that that is a wrap-up of this study you know um really really cool study to read um i'd like to see this in some of the other competitions as well i'm going to see if there is but this is really cool and you know kind of kind of just want to say to the guys yeah cool thanks thanks for doing this study because this is very important stuff and i do hope that you know even non-playing people will read this as well and yeah just sort of know what's going on injury wise because if you do find yourself where you're going to have a conversation with let's say you know parents of a young kid the kid is interested to go play some rugby but the parents are thinking well you know this is a contact sport and you know risk of injuries you know you can sort of look at this and at least say you know um you know these sort of injuries don't occur at such a high rate that you might think i'll be honest i don't really know what the school data would be like but at least you can be like well here's some actual data you can make an informed decision you, you don't have to go about it just about your gut feeling of okay rugby is a contact sport and bad things can happen you know we can show some numbers we can be like listen if you're gonna go play this is what it is at the top level and we know that all the laws at lower age groups are deliberately put into place to prevent injuries even further so at a younger age you're likely not going to see numbers anywhere close to this as well so generally i think you know this could be quite persuasive to you know inform people of what the actual risks are and make an informed decision i think these numbers are pretty solid and it shows us that um you know the work that world rugby is putting in to keep injuries as low as possible is showing dividends these numbers show it so world rugby keep up the good work and with that let's conclude this study so if you happen to have the time please go and read their publication it's got a lot more detail on the study you can just follow the link provided in the description of this podcast also, what are your thoughts on this study? Um, which of these numbers took you by surprise? And what sort of solution do you think there might be out there for dealing with knee ligament and cartilage injuries to get that return on investment? You can let me know by comment or send me a voice message on Anchor with the built-in voice message function. With that, thank you again for joining me this week and please consider following Bottomless Rugby on our social media pages and podcast streaming services to stay up to date with the content. So until next week, go read the full study, tell your friends about it, and stay safe. Cheers.